person and on the computer. I want to share with you one of my favorite uh, ideas from the Megillah, which starts in an unlikely place with an unlikely story, but helps take out uh, for us a message which I think we can all feel in a very, uh, a very palpable way when, once Purim comes. Let's start with number one. There's a story that's told in the Medrash, the Medrash on, uh, on, on Esther, Megillus Esther goes as follows. Rabbi Kiva haya Yoshe v'dorish v'nis namnu ha'talmidim. Rabbi Kiva was giving a drush, he was giving shir, and he looks out in the crowd and he sees everyone's falling asleep. And it wasn't 8.30 at night, I assume it was during the daytime, and he was getting the sense that if he doesn't do something quick, he's going to lose all of the audience. Baal ara yashon, first line, he, uh, he wanted to wake him up, he wanted to get everyone back, uh, you know, back paying attention, not zooming out. He throws out a question, which at first sounds a little bit uh, thought-provoking. The answer, I think, though, is even more confusing. He says, what was it that gave Esther the schus to rule over 127 provinces, as we learn right at the beginning of the Megillah? Hashem says as follows, Tavo Esther bitoshel Sara, let Esther, who is the descendant of Sara Imenu, who... Esther lived, as Pesach tells us in Barashas, 127 years. So just like her great-great-great-great-grandmother lived 127 years, so too Esther will rule over 127 provinces. And the question is, you know, what is going on over here? What's the connection? What, what's the purpose? What, what, what does one have to do with the other? And, and, and what's that do? Obviously, he was trying to tell them something or share something with them that would make them wonder, what is the Rebbe talking about? And hopefully that would, you know, perk them up and, and get their attention. But of all the things he could have said, okay, what, what was he trying to accomplish with this one? Why, why are they going back to the basics, back to the stories of Abram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Sarah, and Rivka, and Rachel, and Leah? And number, and number two, how do you even explain what connection he was trying to draw between Esther and Sarah? That's the question. It doesn't seem like we really have an answer at the end of the day either. Right? Whatever that connection is, somehow it needs to clarify the question that he raised, which is about the 127 over here, 127 over there. But that just sounds like a little, you know, something of a coincidence. What, what exactly is one supposed to teach us about the other? So let's take a step back. And let's use at least what we know, for starters, about Sarah to try to get a better sense of what this will tell us about Esther. So look at number two. That's the Pasuk at the beginning of Parshat Chayisara. She lived for seven years. She lives for 20 years, for 100 years, for 20 years. Uh, and, and altogether, those are the years of Sarah. So the Medrash asked right on the spot, what exactly is the need to break it up into 107 and 20? Just like, let's 127 years, right? Number one. Number two, why recap at the end of the Pasuk, Shnei Chayisara? These are the years that you already told us how many years she lived, right? So what are you adding? So Rashi tells us, number three, Start just uh, outside. Rashi says that there was a, a uh, the intention of Chazal is to, to show us how this Pasuk is meant to teach us that there was something similar about how she was when she was seven, when she was 20, when she was 100, and, and it wasn't like disparate parts of her life, but rather look at the very end of source number three, Shnei Chayisara Kulon Shavin Latova. They all were equal for good. So on one level, when she was seven years old, she had no sin. And so too, when she was 20, she had no sin. And when she was 100, she had no sin. Others also common. There was a certain beauty about Sarah that was 
uh, when she was young, and, and, uh, and she possessed that beauty even at a later age. We know that uh, Paro tried to take her into her head, not being military, right? she, even, even at an older age, she was still just as, as attractive as she was when she was younger. Shnei Chaisar Kulon Shavin Latova. Kulon Shavin Latova. So, unfortunately, point out, we're just going to touch on this briefly. Kulon Shavin Latova is an interesting way to encapsulate the life of Sarah. Many parts of Sarah's lifetime were, were quite tragic, quite difficult, right? I mean, right off the bat, she didn't get a shidduch until, uh, I don't know, she was, uh, she, was, she was a senior citizen. When exactly she married Avram Avinu is not 100% clear, but it wasn't at a young age. But that, more importantly, she struggled for many, many years to have children. And then she, she brought Hagar into her house, and Yishmael was giving problems, and, and Yitzchak, you know, at the end, what, what was the end of her life? She lost her life, or, you know, she gave up because she thought her husband, her, her husband had sacrificed her son. So where's the Kulan Shav and Latova? So one thing which may be the answer to this question, look at number four. This is from the beginning of Parshas Vayera. Vayimahir Avraham Ola El Sarah. This is when the angels come to visit Avraham Avinu. Okay? And immediately Avraham Avinu and Sarah, they're the number one Hachnasas Orchen experts in the world, and they teach us everything we need to know about Hachnasas Orchen for all generations. So he runs, he runs, he runs to Sarah, Vayomer, right? Not only is he running Vayimaher, what does he say to her? Vayomer, Mahari. Mahari Shloshon Kemach Sola. I don't do this to my wife. When, when guests show up, okay, it would not be good for Sean Bias, but Avram and Sarah were, were in sync, okay? And they were teammates and they were partners. So he runs, and just as fast as he runs to her, he says, okay, time for you now to spring into action. And he tells her, I want you to, you know, go to the cupboard and get three saw of Kemach Sol's fine flour. Throw it together and, you know, put it in the mix master. There was no mix master, but make it happen right now. Now, I don't know about you. It was only recent, only recently that I, I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and tried to, how much exactly is Shalosh Soin Kemach Solis? Okay? It's one thing if he tells, sorry, you know, pull something out of the freezer, heat it up and let's serve it to the guests. Do you know that in modern, in modern uh, measure, that would come out to 45 liters of kemach, which is 12 gallons? Okay, according to the Chazanish. Chazanish has bigger shirim, 12 gallons of flour. That's more than it, you need to, to separate challah. Okay? And there's only three guests, right? Three, three malachim. And nevertheless, they go all the way. So not only is he saying to Sarah, run, do it fast. But he's also telling her, you know, to take more than you, you could possibly imagine anyone preparing for a, a particular event. But how old is Sarah at this time? She's 90 years old. 89 years old. 89 years old. So Avram, who's 99 years old, is running. Sarah, who's 89 years old, gets the instructions and the recipe, and she has to spring into action. What, what's going on over here? So the only thing that we can, that, that we can suggest is that maybe... One level of interpretation, one intent of that medrash, kulan shavin latova, is that the way the medrash explains the pasuk, she was seven, she was twenty, she was a hundred, that at every stage in her life, she managed to possess a certain youthful energy, that it was not outlandish for Avram at ninety-nine to be giving instructions to Sarah at eighty-nine because they were used to it. He knew that his wife was ready to, as again, you know, maybe ages people live for longer than they do nowadays, but still, it was because she had a unique merit, a unique zuchus, a unique characteristic, where this was normal for her, almost, for 
for, for Avram to ask her to do such a thing. We have a reference to this in Gemara and Bava Kama. Gemara and Bava Kama talks about different people who minted coins at different points in history. Uh, if you look at source number five, there was a coin minted in Yerushalayim. Dov and Shlomo were mitzad echad, Yerushalayim, Yerah Kodesh, mitzad acher. And the other side had Yerushalayim, Yerah Kodesh. Obviously, together, Dov and Shlomo, that's what they built. They, they, they brought Yerushalayim to be what we know. The Ezumat Be'er Avram Avinu. What was the coin of Avram Avinu? So there's a measure that says that uh, Hashem promised Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha, um, you can go to Eretz Yisrael and I will make you famous. Part of being famous is, you know, George Washington gets his face on the quarter and, and Abraham Lincoln gets his face on the penny. Avram Avinu had his face on the coin. And... What did that coin look like? What was the coin of Avram Avinu? On one side of the coin, there was an old man and an old woman, and the other side of the coin was a young man and a young woman. So if this is the coin that's going out to the world, you know, uh, when, when, when Avram Avinu buys Mars Machpelah and it causes, you know, costs a lot of money, and 400 shekel kesef, right, there, there was money changing. Everyone knew, right, you know, if you mint a coin, you know, unless it's like, uh, you know, you buy it on TV, one of those limited edition, you know, uh, medallions. Like, this was, it was out in, you know, this currency that was used. So the, how did people see Avram Avinu and Sarah? They saw, him, they saw them as these elder Elderly uh, gentleman, an elderly woman, but they were really very young and energetic. And that's why they were represented on that coin accordingly. So maybe that's the deeper meaning of what it means when we see Sarah as the 7, 20, 100, and so forth. It was because she had this youthfulness that carried her throughout her life. If that's the case, the Be'er Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Salant, explains as follows. Maybe we can start to move back to what we, we know about Rabbi Kiva explaining to his Talmud. And turn to the other side of the page. I'm sorry for those of you at home. I'm going to try to get the, the sources uh, up on the Zoom. I apologize for not having that up earlier. Just uh, give me a little while. But the, on the second side, the Ber Yosef, the second paragraph, the right column, Bezeh Matzah, with this, Rabbi Kiva saw Chomer Musari Laorer Esa Talmidim Shalis Rapu Bilimudam Vienamnimu Vishasa Drasha. Rabbi Akiva saw this medrash that compares Sarah to Esther as an opportunity, as, as content that he could share with his Talmidim as a way to encourage them to, to wake up and to not get tired and, and, and to be energetic even at their young age. B'Sha'asa Drasha, not to fall asleep. Amr Lahem, Bo V'Limdu Eich Shetzorach Adam Liyazariz V'Ar B'Chol Matzavim L'Torv V'Ar Hashem. Learn from Sarah... A, that there is a tremendous value to always be enthusiastic. If you're falling asleep, stand up, grab a cup of coffee. Don't, don't get lazy. But if the, the, older, the older generation can do it, if Sarah can do it, if, 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 wait, I didn't get to Esther yet. But if Sarah can do it, there's something for you to learn from that as well. What about Esther? Where do we see that in the lifetime of Esther that brings this all together? So I'm going to put this on the screen for everybody who's, who's at home. Give me one second here, coming up. But turn back to, to side number one. Okay, it may not work, but we'll try. Okay, I hope, I hope you can see it. 
Let's see if this works. Yes, okay. So for those of you at home, you can now see, hopefully it's visible, large enough, but if we go to source number seven, we'll see something unbelievable that you never knew about Esther. You have to bear with me for, for a moment, but uh, it, it is quite revealing if you've never seen this before. In source number seven, we see the description of Esther, by he omenes Hadassah, he Esther Bazdodo, who raises Esther? Who raises Esther is, of course, Mordechai. Bazdodo, she was the daughter of his uncle. They were first cousins, okay? So at this point, right, we, we would always, we always have the impression that it was, you know, she was like uh, her, her, his little, uh, little sister, you know, like, who else could raise her? Ain lo Aim the Pasuk concludes. So it must be that someone, her big brother, uh, Mordechai, took her in. But that is not at all the case. Rather, rather, Esther, at that, at that point in the Megillah, when she was taken in by Ahasuerus, was 75 years old. 75 years old. Okay, can you believe it? 75 years old. Let's see how we know that. Okay? Um, in source number 8, Vahibi Me'achashverosh, so that's the first Pasuk of the Megillah. That's the first Pasuk of the Megillah. Now, what is the necessity to have that extra word? It seems to be extra, right? That's always a key. We find that in a number of places in Tanakh to emphasize who is like, is, is, is a, it's a Lashon of stability of identity, that this is who he was, and he was consistently like that as long as we know him. The Gemara Darshans about Ahasuerosh in, uh, in uh, number 9, Megillah Daf Yud Alf Amit Alf, Hu Ahasuerosh, Hu Barisho Mitchilaso Ba'ad Sofo. It was the very same Ahasuerosh, who wasn't such a great guy. He ended up having to tolerate Esther and Mordechai and everything that came along at the end of the Megillah, but he was, you know, he never allowed the Jewish people to resume building the base. Amigdash, for example, even though he had Esther, right, in, in the palace, what does he say? You can have everything you, anything you want, ad chatzi hamalchus. And Chazal explained, because chatzi hamalchus, right smack in the middle of mehodu Kush was Yerushalayim, and he said, that's where the buck stops. You can have whatever you want, but I'm not helping you rebuild the base Amigdash. It was only the next generation, Esther's son, Daryavish II, who was also the son of Achashverosh, but only then did the Jews continue the work on the base Amigdash. But he was Achashverosh from the beginning till the end. Likewise, by he omenas hadasa, he Esther, he Esther. The emphasis of he Esther means that there has to be some sort of continuity. Whoever she was younger in life, she maintained that same quality of youth and of, of exuberance and enthusiasm. We don't, Esther's quiet in the Megillah. She's very low-key. She says a few things here and there. But, but she also had to have a certain degree of courage certain degree of courage. And that stayed with her from a young age to the very end. Look at source number 10. Targum Sheni, another, another Targum of the Megillah. He Esther betalyusa vehi besibusa. Talyusa, like a tle, like a little lamb. And besibusa, like safta. She was an old grandmother. And nothing changed. Lopaskis me uvdin tavin. And everything good about her did not cease from a young age to an older age, just like we see by Sarah, cool and shove in the tovah. It's almost an identical lashon. Number eleven, he Esther again. He ben Arusa vehi beziknusa. He Esther kishenechnesa lamachus vehi adshalonechnesa lamachus. The same Esther 
her personality, her energy was constant, young and old. And this is the best. Lama Nikra Shema Hadassah. Right? What about that other name she had, Hadassah? First explanation is, Hadassah has a beautiful fragrance. Right? Delicious fragrance. So too, her actions were always, were always admirable. Okay, that's one shot. Look at the next, next line. Dover Acher. Another explanation. Kishem shahadas eno yavesh lo bakais lo bachoresh bachoref kena tadikim eno mis yavshin lo ba olam azeh lo olam haba. Let me ask you a question. When you buy dalad minim, what's the first one to go? It's the arabos. I usually can't, if, unless you start wrapping it in, in a little bit of a, you know, paper towel or, or a foil with a little, spritz it a little bit, forget about it. By the third, fourth day, they're already turning black. Okay? It d- doesn't last too long. Esro, you can get a few months before it starts shriveling up. Lulav, Okay, what I have to say is, you know, it really depends on the conditions. Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav David Feinstein, his son, said he used the same lulav for, I think, nine years straight. They hung it, this was in, in Russia, they hung it from the ceiling so that the rodents wouldn't eat it, but they, they didn't have a choice. How, how easy was it to, in the middle of, you know, in the middle of Russia to get a palm branch? It wasn't so easy, so they had to use it again and again. But it doesn't always, it dries out often. But a hadas, it stays fresh and green, the whole sukkah, the whole sukkah, and beyond. She was called Hadassah because she never dried out. She always had that same freshness at every point in her life. And what Rabbi Kiva, I think, was saying was that the qualities of Sarah were adopted by Esther as well. And she maintained, and he's talking to his young Talmidim in the base Medrash, she maintained, just like Sarah, a certain youthful freshness that never died. And that's something you should take out of her life and her experiences because it's something that you can broaden and you can expand for much, much application. Let's go, let's go further. Source number 12. Our Parsha this week, Parsha's Kisisa. Pasuk says that Yehoshua, how is he identified? Na'ar lo yomish mitocha ohel. He was the, the lad. Okay, that's what Nar means. That's what, you know, you look it up. That's what, it means he's a young man, right? He never left the tent. He was always following around Moshe Rabbeinu and he was taking care of the base medrash. Look at number 14. Ibn Ezra wants to know, He was his servant. He was a Nar. So he says, let's do a little math. He lived 110 years. That's, we had that on the books from Sefer Yoshua, 110 years old. The Acham tell us, It was seven years of conquest, seven years of splitting up the land, okay, minus 40, okay, of traveling through the desert after Har Sinai, where we first find Yoshua identified this week's Parsha. So do the math. At this time, Yoshua was 56 years old. So Ibn Ezra asked, How do you call him a Nar? How do you call him a Nar? He wasn't a kid, he was 56 years old. The answer is, look at number 13. Appointed officers who went around to the entire the entire kingdom, the entire empire. He gathered all of the young maiden, all of the young women, his entire Malchus. And who was chosen? It must have been someone who fit that that uh, that description of being a Nara Basula. A 75-year-old woman was a Nara Basula. 
So evidently, the Torah refers to Na'ar, even to people who are older, like Yehoshua, if they act with that youthfulness. Now, I have to, I have to say, Esther, we know, was mysterious, right? No one knew who she was. If she went to the palace and, ne- and no one ever discovered where she came from, right? It's, ha- it's hard to believe that before she went to the palace, she was out and about and, you know, a regular member of society. She, she evidently wasn't. And even after she was in the palace for many years, right, it still took until she actually revealed herself to Akash that it became clear about her background. The Oznayim Latorah, uh, in, in, his, in his drushes on Purim, he says, you know what the real miracle of, of Purim was? That no one spilled the beans, right? All these Jews schmoozing away, you know, no, no, you have to imagine Akash had informants, he had people out there investigating, right? Someone was a, pr- a private investigator, right? Akash wanted to know who she was, and Esther refused to tell her. So you'd think Akash would ask around to try to get the answer, and not a single Jew spilled the beans. So it means that Esther was a little bit mysterious beforehand. No, no one knew that she was around all this time, that they would calculate that she's 75 years old. The only way to determine that she was an Arab Basula was by looking at her, and apparently, despite her age, she reflected uh, an appearance that was much younger than her actual numbers. Again, it was, a, it was a youthfulness and exuberance that was so much a part of her character that you looked at her and you had the impression that she was a Narbasula, and we can even describe Yehoshua with that same, that same characteristic. So when you put this all together, it's clear that what the Torah is trying to do, hinted at us, hinted towards us from Rabbi Kiva, is send the message that there's a tremendous value to having, maintaining that energy at every age. To, to, to find inside of oneself a, a source, a reservoir of excitement, enthusiasm that doesn't die. Source number 15, a pasuk in Hosea, Ki na'ar Yisrael v'ohaveyu. Ki na'ar Yisrael v'ohaveyu. Yisrael is young and therefore I love him. So does that mean that Hashem only likes little kids? doesn't make any sense, right? It means that Hashem particularly desires to see in a Jew at every age an undying enthusiasm. Nar Hashem, that's what Hashem is looking for. A very familiar passage, number 16 from the Yom Narayim. Havein yakir li Ephraim, im yeled shashuim, kimidei dabri I have this longing for my child, for Ephraim, ki yeled shashuim. It's like a little kid. Like it, just like, like people see a little child, a baby, you know, you pick him up and you throw him up in the air and you, 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 uh, you, you say funny things to him, you, you, you pinch him on the cheek. There's, there's a certain desire. Kosh Baruch says, Kivyaho, right? It's not literal. But he says in the same way that a person is naturally drawn to youth, so too, so too, Hashem is drawn to that part of our potential. Ramosha Weinberger, the, uh, uh, who, the native from uh, our part of town, but, uh, you know, for many years has, uh, you know, had a lot of impact on YU. So he said he, he always marveled at, like, uh, you know, walking with his grandchildren. Little kids don't walk. They bounce. There's a certain the movement that doesn't stop. It, it's constant. It's an energy. And, and, and that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be something, that we're supposed to find inside of ourselves. When Rusalvechik gave a hespid, for one of the great Rosh Hashivas of YU, Reb Chaim Heller, he said that, he, he pointed this quality of youthfulness 
of, of, of curiosity, of a sense of urgency. I need to know, I want to know. A simplicity of emuna, of taking things at face value and, 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 and the same simple belief that we, we, we enter this world with. Right? If you teach a child about the Avos, you teach a child about Matan Torah, about Yitzis Mitzrayim, it's absorbed so naturally and it becomes ingrained in a person's psyche that despite the, you know, whatever we learn and the, the more sophisticated we, we become at a later age, it stays with us. And that is a goal at every age for every person. Every person. And the value of that is so strong because as the Sfasema says, a pasuk we, we, we recite all the time in Kriya Shema, Hashem says, I want all these words to be on your heart. Hayom. What's the word Hayom? As if to suggest tomorrow Hashem doesn't want us to remember Torah and Kriya. No. Hayom, Chazal say, They should be new and fresh for you as if they were given today. What's the value of that? What, what, are we supposed to lie and, and pretend? that we, No, if we got it 3,000 years ago. Where's the Chadashim? So the answer is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is eternal. Hashem does not get any older. The more that you connect with Hashem through Ruchnis, and especially through Torah, which is the, the conduit by which we experience the divine, the more that a person feels young and feels eternal himself. Torah, Torah brings a person to life. I once walked into a you know, Shomer Shabbos in, in, uh, in Borough Park. If you've ever been there before, it's the biggest minion factory in the world, bigger than anything in Eretz Yisrael. There's people coming in and out. There's, there's, there's coffee and there's donuts. And, the, you know, it's just all day. You can have a shock because it's 6 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's it just, it's, it's, it's alive. I once went in there and there's a little corner of the base manager and there were two 85-year-old men yelling at each other. I didn't know what it was all about. I, I went over to that. I just wanted to see what was going on. And they were learning Dafyomi. I said to myself, you know what? They're probably yelling at each other in the same way that they were 60 years ago. They were probably also chavrusas, and there was no difference. But there was something about that connection to the eternal that Torah gives us because Torah is eternal, because Hashem is eternal, that can actually infuse us with a, that's those, every quality I just mentioned, that curiosity, that urgency, that need to understand. I, I love it when I, when I give a shira, I throw out a, a, a shayla, and, and someone comes up to me with, with five other questions on what I, you know, to, to, because... Once you get your mind, once the neshama gets churning, once the neshama gets, gets reconnected, there, there's a never-ending reservoir of youthfulness and energy that's waiting to, to spring forward as the, the, uh, the, 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 the fountain of youth, the vitality that's there. Just a, a slight tangent. I was always marveled at the fact that there's something about the legacy of our Rashi Shiva and Yu. I grew up with my, my grandfather's Rebbe was Rebbe was, uh, uh, Katz. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Russell Weiss. He taught in, in yeshiva for 60-something years. 60-something years. When he wasn't feeling so well, the boys would go to his apartment on the west side. To, and he, he passed away, I think he was 99 years old, and he, he start, stopped giving yeshiva shortly before that. I, I remember very clearly Rubyanka Lovich. I don't know if anyone remembers. Some people told me they know Rubyanka Lovich from, from, uh, from the Bronx. Rubyanka Lovich came from the... the uh, he, he came from Shanghai, the Mir, World War II. He was Rav Schechter's seventh grade Rebbe, and he gave Shear. He passed away at 104, August, August something, at a, uh, uh, 2015, at the age of 104, and he literally gave Shear until, until he died, until the conclusion of the previous semester in May. Did, he didn't stop. He just never stopped. And it always blew my mind. I remember, uh, you know, we had a rotation, different people. He would come in a car service to 185th Street, and someone would walk him up to his office. He's 104 years old. I remember I used to dive in with the Rav Yashif. 
Oh, yeah, so he died at 102, I forget what it was. His, his, his little caravan, where he would dive in the mornings, was down the block from my yeshiva in, in Meisharim. And he used to go there sometimes for Vasikin. And he was, he was multiple life-saving surgeries. And he was, he, I remember when, Kriya, when Kriya Torah began, he would spring up, swing around his, his, uh, his shtender, so he'd be facing the, uh, facing the, the Torah. And it was like he was, he was 24. I, I couldn't believe, I always tell this to my Kalmidim. I say, you know, Rav Shechter, come, he davens at the late slichas and gets home at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he's still the first person in the base medrash, you know, at 7-something, and he's 60 years older than you guys. Rabbi Ankolovich, his, at the, I think, I think at the Levi, his children said that he was standing for Kriya Torah over 100 years old. Because he, he, just that connection, that broader vitality, he couldn't sit down. He couldn't sit down. And it's something that every one of us on our level has a potential to tap into. I want to wind down with two more points. Look at source number 17. The Rambam says something unbelievable. In Hilchus Megillah V'chanukah Paragbeis Halach Yirchas. Sifrei Hanavim Chol Ksuvim Asidim Libatel Limos Mashiach. All of Nach. There's 24 books in Tanakh altogether. Five are Chumash. The other 19 are Nevi'im and Ksuvim. Those 19 will cease to exist in the future when Mashiach comes. Chutzmi Migalas Esther. With one exception. He goes, Esther will remain. That one, that one book, Esther, will, will remain even after every other Sefer disappears. What does that suggest to you? I never thought about this until about 20 minutes ago. But maybe, maybe what we're, we're that, that same idea, Chamisha Chum Torah will be forever. The Raman says it's one of the tenets, one of the 13 animamans. The Torah will never change. It's immutable. Neither is Esther. Because Esther represents that lifelong energy and vitality, which we said connects one to the eternality of HaKadosh Baruch himself. And the same way that Torah is the Dvar Hashem and will never cease to have that energy spouting forth from it, someone who connects, maybe this is, a, this is Drush, but someone who connects to the Midah of Esther that Rabbi Kiva brought out can also hold on to that same fountain of youth. It's something that we can take from the, from the holiday. It's no surprise that it's the holiday that brings us to life that's Adar, the month of Simcha. The Briskrov was once walking in Yerushalayim with one of his sons. And he saw, it's like if you go through the old city, right? You know, you see like little kids. There's always like a lot of kids running around, you know, playing jump rope or throwing a ball. There's always... Walk, the streets of Yishlaim are, are, are inspiring that way. And he commented to his son when he saw these children playing, he said, the Rabbonu Shalom created a happy world, a place of perfect joy. Children are closer to the source of creation. Closer to the source of creation. So they still exude the, the simcha of the divine. Older people might become complicated, life may get in the way, and they might forget how happy the place, happy a place the world is. A child, life hasn't gotten that complicated. They don't have to make a parnasa, they don't have to you know, work with the responsibilities of living in the world we live in. So the simcha is still the same simcha that naturally flows from, from Shemaim. Their neshama is more fresh, freshly hewn from the Kisya Kavod, so they can express that simcha. So maybe Purim and the entire month of Adar is meant for us to tap into that with a story with a heroine who only began her life as a main character in Tanakh at 75. That's, that's unbelievable. What else do we read about in these parshios? What was the focal point of the Mishkan of the Beis Hamikdash? It was the Aron Kodesh, of course. 
And what sits atop the Ankodesh, the Kruvim, the faces of two little children? Victor Miller asked, wouldn't it be more inspiring if it was two faces? I don't know, Ramosha Feinstein and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. You know, people we recognize as accomplished and, and, and leaders, people who, who made an impact. No, because even they, what was driving them? It was the youthfulness of the Kruvim, the angelic, again, close to Shamayim, simplicity and innocence of a kid. I'll close by saying this. Purim usually think about is it's a kid's holiday. It's a kid's holiday, right? Who has the most fun on Purim? And, and which holiday of all, of all holidays do kids enjoy the most? It's probably Purim. It's probably Purim. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But I think it's probably for the grown-up kids also. And maybe it's trying to send the message that if the kids enjoy it that, that much, maybe we shouldn't just be feeding them all the candy and the shalafmanas, we should have a little of you know, uh, the candy for ourselves also. It's a reminder that we can also develop a special connection to Yiddishkeit, to Torah, if we approach it with the same freshness, no matter how life gets complicated or gets in the way. But there's got to be that a connection to that midah that we can pull out inside of ourselves. And, and Purim is the time to do it. I, it's a mistake if we think it's only a, a, a kid's holiday. Because there are many very, very big, powerful ideas that, that we can extract <laughs> from the Purim story, but the first one that hopefully starts the momentum going and allows us to open our, our hearts and our neshamas to everything Purim has to offer is this one. To remember that, I, you know, there's titles of books, there's Esther Unmasked, the Esther you never knew. This, I think, is something new about Esther, that she represents the entire holiday because it was that quality that she lent to her role in the story that is something very practical that we can take out of it. And I'm, and, and I'm biased. But I think that energy, that energy will revitalize every aspect of, of our Judaism if we take it seriously and we, we tap into that when it, when it comes, when it bubbles up to the, the top of the fountain for us to, to just draw from when Purim comes. Thank you very much for uh, coming out this evening, joining us on Zoom. Everyone should have a Chag Sameach, a Freilchen Purim. I want to reiterate the, the, uh, the invitation. I have to be... Uh, I have to say it like this, anyone and everyone, we would